0: I mean, the idea of a tent, certain people want to live in tents forever, but don't you just live in a tent for a season? Like I go to a national park, I'm going to live in a tent. And Peter's got the right perspective on life, because our time here is we are in a tent. We are pilgrims through this life. We think because it's all that we know that this is all that there is, but there's way more going on. And when we start to have that light of eternity in the present moment, we begin to start to live differently.
1: Perspective changes everything. That's what Pastor Daniel reminds you of in today's edition of Jesus is Real Radio, he shares that, like the Apostle Peter, you need to remember that this life, what you see and know now, is only temporary. There's so much more beyond what you experience here. When you live your life in light of that reality, it changes everything. This eternal perspective shifts your priorities and transforms your thinking. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in 2 Peter chapter 1 as he begins his message, The Gift of the Gospel.
0: You know, Jesus is so important that it's not by chance that there's so much noise surrounding who Jesus is. There's not a year that goes by that there isn't some sort of a TV special or a book that gets released where people are purporting to say, we're going to tell you who Jesus really is. We're going to give you the latest research and the latest archaeology. How many of you guys know that every single year there's a brand new one of these that come out? You guys see all these things, right? Right. I was just telling on CNN they had a, a brand new thing and obviously CNN is the best news source we can get our information from. <laughs> I only say that because if it was a different news, I would say the exact same thing. You know, every point of view is a view from a point. So every news source has an angle and what's amazing is, is when somebody wants to put out a story about Jesus, they always tell it from their angle. Like there was a New York Times bestseller recently called Zealot. It was written by a man named Reza Aslan. And Reza's whole thing is this is who Jesus really is. The only problem is, is that Reza is a Muslim. He doesn't believe in the Bible. So, but this is a New York Times bestseller on Amazon. It's got 5,000 reviews. So, this is a book that's been widely read. But what you realize is that, and I don't say this in a pejorative way, but at every point of view is a view from a point. And you have to be honest about the point of view that you have. See, what most people do is they want to try and take either education or they want to take some sort of credentialing and say, because of my credentials, this is why my point of view is the right point of view. Everybody has a point of view. Everyone's entitled to their point of view. But the thing is, we have to be honest about what the point of view is. And as it comes to who Jesus is, the point of view that we come from is really important. And in a lot of ways, the truthfulness or the falsehood of our beliefs, actually part of it comes from where we're coming from. And what I find is really, really interesting is if you ever watch any of these TV shows about the newest, latest, greatest information about Jesus, it actually never lines up with the Bible says about Jesus. And so you have to take into account what's their point of view. And today we're going to talk about what I would like to call the truth about the gospel, the truth about the gospel, And the gospel is the good news. It's the announcing of who Jesus is, his name and his reign, what he has done for us. And I want to talk to you about this idea of the gospel as it relates to the Bible. Because the Bible does have a point of view and the Bible is sharing its point of view into the world. Now, because the Bible is an older book, people all the time have a tendency to think, well, it's an old book, so it doesn't matter, which was definitely the belief that I had growing up right where it's like oh man that's just like old school nobody really believes that i mean any you know who would believe that right but then all of a sudden when i started to read the bible my perspective got adjusted because i learned very very quickly that sometimes the oldest things are the best things sometimes new and improved actually just breaks and i want to look at this because the apostle peter in writing this letter wants to make sure that the people who are hearing this, not only the original hearers of this letter, but also all of us who would read it subsequently would understand certain truths because he knew that there was going to come a time where there'd be all this noise about Jesus, all this noise about the Bible and what it means. And so he wanted to make sure that we had something to hold on to. So in order to get at this, open up in your Bibles, second Peter chapter one, we're going to be taking verses 12, to 21, 1 Peter 1 verses 12 to 21. If you're brand new to the Bible, I want to get you to 2 Peter. It's pretty easy to find. Of course, if you have a smart device or if you're online or one of our other campuses, if you have a smart device, just type in 2 Peter 1 verse 12 to 21, you'll find it. But 2 Peter sits between 1 Peter and 1 John at the end of your Bible. You have the book of Revelation, book of Jude, 3rd, 2nd, First John, and then 2 Peter and First Peter. So it's right there at the end. Of your Bible, Second Peter, and of course, chapter 1 is the first chapter. <laughs> Sits before chapter 2. Just to make sure I don't want anyone to get lost on my account. Do you ever, on a side note, you ever notice that when someone's like your co-pilot and you're not using your phone GPS, and they know where everything is, but they don't tell you? You know, and you're kind of like, well, how was I supposed to know I was supposed to be in the right lane, I was supposed to turn right 50 feet ago? Like, you're supposed to get in the right lane. Anyway, first chapter, Second Peter. Verse 12 says this. For this reason, I will not be negligent to remind you always of these things, though you know and are established in the present truth. Yes, I think it is right, as long as I am in this tent, to stir you up by reminding you, knowing that shortly I must put off my tent, just as our Lord Jesus Christ showed me. Moreover, I will be careful to ensure that you always have a reminder of these things, After my decease Now, what's really fascinating here is In the beginning of Second Peter Peter is talking about the need for us being fruitful And I talked about the truth about fruitfulness That when we bear fruit, God is glorified in our lives As God is transforming us, as fruit is being born God gets glory and the world gets blessed But now what Peter wants to do is he wants to show them That one of the main tools or instruments To nurture fruitfulness is the word of God is the Bible, the truth of what God says. And so Peter begins by saying, for this reason, I will not be negligent to remind you always of these things, though you know and are established in this present truth. Yes, I think it is right. As long as I am in this tent, as long as I am in this body, he's saying, to stir you up by reminding you. Verse 15, moreover, I will be careful to ensure that you always have a reminder of these things after my decease. Now, what's Peter focused on here? And I think this is important. Because we should be focused on the same thing That you and I need to leave a godly legacy We need to leave a godly legacy Now think about this for a second Because Peter is older now He's talking about his soon demise He's going to die soon He's saying, I wanted to make sure that you have a reminder You understand what is going on So that you will always know what the truth is And that's what a godly legacy is is a godly legacy is a life that is lived in such a way that after you are gone not only will there be a great memory of who you are but there'll be this memorial this legacy of godliness and we all know people who've left godly legacies i've been thinking about legacy a lot more and not just because i'm getting older but i realize that your legacy is the totality of the life that you live Every single day, day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year, decade after decade, at some point you get to the end of your race and you've left a legacy. Everyone leaves a legacy, but not every legacy is a godly legacy, right? And I was just thinking about this because, you know, I'm a parent and so this has happened really recently. So my son Obadiah, who I love, he's playing on his little basketball team, little spring league. And it's cute, because all of his friends are there, and, and they're learning the game. But sure enough, they ended up in a game with a team who who's a, a good team, and, and they knew what they were doing. And very, very quickly, this game got really bad. I think by the end of the first half, Obadiah's team was down by about 30 or 40 points. It was brutal, right? So sure enough, I'm like, okay, so they're down by 30 points. So the second half, it's, you know... It's not going to be so bad. But the second half starts up, and this team is still gunning. I mean, Obadiah's team's got one play that they run, and they're trying to get this play down, a couple screen moves. And every single time, the other team steals it, runs down, layup. But then all of a sudden, in my heart, I start getting frustrated. Now, I've always told you that God's not finished with me yet. We're all in process. That includes me. So in my heart, I'm starting to get frustrated because it's a blowout. And now it's not just a blowout. Now it's like, it's borderline. Like they're getting humiliated. And then in my head, I can hear my dad, who I love so much, who didn't always raise me right. And I just imagine my dad calling a timeout in the midst of this blowout and saying, now, son, you know what you need to do. And I didn't know what that meant because I really wanted to play football. And my mom wouldn't let me. So my goal was to play basketball like football. And so I was the guy they'd put in and I'd foul out in about six minutes, you know? Because you really, you know, it's hard to get fouls when you're playing on offense. But literally, like, these guys are blowing them out. And in my heart, I'm just like, this isn't right. It's not respectful. It's not kind, you know? And so literally, I just had these visions of me going over to Obadiah and being like, Obadiah, when those guys are on a fast break, just clothesline them. I'm just being real. Listen, like, I can't fool anybody, right? So I'm like, just clothesline them. And inside, I'm just like, okay, you probably shouldn't do that, you know? And... (laughs) And then I'm like, well, I'm going to go over and I'm going to go talk to the other coach, you know what I mean? And like they invented rules for parents of sports for people like me because my dad and my grandparents and everyone like they didn't have those rules back in the day. But they do now because I'm like my dad and my grandparents, you know, because there's a lot, you know, I'm from New Jersey. So it's like nothing's quiet, you know. And so I'm like, I'm going to go give the coach a talking to and be like, listen, man, you guys are really good. But now it's like it's not respectful. It's like actually you need to teach your boys that there's something more than just blowing a team out. It's about being compassionate and kind. And it's only fifth grade spring league it's like no one's getting a paycheck for this and i'm like that's probably wouldn't be good and then i, I thought to myself you know maybe you should just start screaming and yelling during the game now you'd be surprised i don't do a lot of yelling at the games because i know if i start i won't stop so it's like i just keep quiet and i'm holding annabelle there i'm trying to hold, hold her down actually i'm holding her there as like a blankie like a security blanket you know so and i'm having this inner struggle I was really frustrated and probably to the point of internal anger. And then after the game, you know, i get in the car and Obadiah's like, man, we got blown out. That's what he says. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, you did. And he's like, you know, and you got to love this. He's like, you know, dad, when they were blowing us out, I really just wanted to give them a hard foul. (laughs) (laughs) The apple doesn't fall too far from the tree, unfortunately. (laughs) But then know what he said? He said, but you know, I thought about it, and then I thought Jesus would want me to be a little different than that. And I thought to myself, praise God, yeah, man. And I always ask God to make me live my messages, you know? And so when he says that, I'm just like, thank you that I didn't open my mouth. You know what I mean? Because it's like, I see my son, and he's like, you know, and even though we got blown out, it was a lot of fun. Like, we had fun. And I was just so grateful for that legacy. And, and a lot of it's Lynn, not necessarily me. But I was, at least I was smart enough to know, like, maybe that's not the right way to handle this right now. You know, taking some kids' legs out for doing a layup, you know. <laughs> but I thought to myself, I'm like, you know, he's right. The way that I was raised, I mean, it, it makes sense. And, you know, you can justify it in different ways if you wanted to. But really, Jesus does have something more for us and I even said to him, am like, well, what about the other team? He's like, well, they shouldn't have done it that way either. It's not kind or loving or respectful. And I'm like, yeah. like It's like, oh, but as a deep kid, you know, I love this guy. But I want to leave a godly legacy with my family. And I think you want to leave a godly legacy, not only of proclamation of the word, but also of demonstration, the way that we live. You know, I think about that, just coming back from Mexico, a place that we've been serving as a church family for two decades. And I mean, it's amazing to see the legacy of our church family in that area, like I'm at the church in Kino and Pastor Roberto is showing me the kitchen and he's showing me cabinets that were, was built and driven down by one of our own. They're like my, the favorite cabinets I've ever seen. They've been in there for 25 years or so, 20 years. And they're like, yeah, Mr. Dan put these here for us, built them in his garage, you know? And it's like, that's a godly legacy. Those aren't just Cabinets. Not like I bought them at Home Depot. It's like somebody took their time to serve Jesus and bless them. And you got to ask yourself, are you building a godly legacy today? The way that you live your life every single day, is it taking steps that leave a legacy? Just like Peter, he's like, look, I don't want to be negligent. See, he realizes that if he doesn't write this letter, then he's being negligent in the legacy that God wants him to lead. And I think that's the idea. The reason we don't leave a godly legacy is because we get negligent. Where we neglect the most important things in favor of the temporary and urgent things. But Peter's saying, I wanted to make sure. And he did write this letter. Peter left that legacy that we're studying it now thousands of years later. But part of what he's also getting at is he realizes his life is over. Now, Peter had lived a good, long life. And he had served the Lord for a long, long time But he knows he's in the the back nine of his career, so to speak. He's at the end of it. He's making sure now that he leaves a good reminder. Thus, he writes these letters. And he says this thing beautifully in verse 13. Yes, I think it is right as long as I am in this tent to stir you up by reminding you, knowing that shortly I must put off my tent just as our Lord Jesus Christ showed me. This idea of the way he's viewing death. He's not viewing death as, this is the end of it. He's viewing it as, I am leaving this temporary dwelling. I mean, the idea of a tent. Certain people want to live in tents forever, but don't you just live in a tent for a season? Like, I go to a national park, I'm going to live in a tent. And Peter's got the right perspective on life. Because our time here is, we are in a tent. We are pilgrims through this life. We think because it's all that we know that this is all that there is but there's way more going on. And when we start to have that light of eternity in the present moment, we begin to start to live differently. The apostle Paul says the same thing in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 1 to 5. Listen to what he says. For we know that if our earthly house, this tent is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed with our habitation, which is from heaven. If indeed having been clothed, we shall not be found naked. For we who are in this tent groan, being burdened, not because we want to be unclothed, but further clothed, that mortality may be swallowed up by life. Now, he who has prepared us for this very thing is God." who also has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. See, what Paul is saying there is he's saying, this side of eternity, when we're in this tent, there's a groaning because we don't just want to be unclothed. We want to be further clothed. He realized that the best is yet to come. See, on this side of eternity, they're living into their eternal destiny, their eternal abode, and we need to grab hold of that. When we start to realize that your law, this side of heaven, isn't all that there is. This is just a vacation portion of your life. And we want to live with eternity in mind, with the ethics of eternity, with the ethics of God's kingdom in mind. And when we do that, we start to be more self-sacrificial and more loving and more generous. And we begin to not keep records of wrongs. And we begin to let people who've hurt us we forgive them because we're like, look, I don't want to carry that with me because that unforgiveness is hindering me from living into eternity right now. But unless you are intentional about leaving a godly legacy, what I have found is that this world will distract us enough. We'll leave a legacy, but it won't be a godly one. So brothers and sisters, let's get intentional about leaving a godly legacy. Peter was, I'm not going to be negligent. I want to be careful to make sure this is the case. Yes, I think it's right, he says. He's very focused on making sure that there's a legacy that's left. Now, what's beautiful is, is Peter's now going to begin to talk to us about the word of God, right? He's in the process of writing it, but you always have to remember that the word of God equals, has two parts to it. The living word, which is Jesus himself, and then the written word, which is the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. We know that Jesus is the living word because of John chapter one, right? In the beginning was the word and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and that life is the light of man. And that light shined in the darkness. You guys know that. The first couple of verses of the book of John, chapter 1. right? And then, of course, it says, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. So Jesus is the incarnate word. The word with flesh on the living word. And then you have the Bible from Genesis, the written word. And in from verses 16 to 21, Peter talks about both sides. First, he talks about Jesus as the living word, the incarnate word. And then he talks about the Bible as the written word. And for both of us, we get the truth of the gospel. Because look at what it says in verse 16 of Second Peter 1. It says, For we did not follow cunningly devised fables when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For he received from God the Father honor and glory. When such a voice came to him from the excellent glory, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And we heard this voice, which came from heaven when we were with him on the holy mountain. Now, you want to know about the, who Jesus really is. What you need to realize is that there were eyewitnesses. There were eyewitnesses. This is why I believe that the Bible is the only true authority on who Jesus is. Because some scholar Ivy League educated in 21st century America cannot tell you who Jesus really was because guess what? He didn't walk with him. You can't read all these, well, there's this criticism and this criticism and there's these guys who say this verse. Listen, there was eyewitness testimony. Peter's like, hey, guess what? We did not follow cunningly devised fables. When I was in college, you know what they told me about Jesus? He's a myth. What's amazing is now you got a guy who was walking with him said, we did not follow any myths. And listen, you all know, eyewitness testimony in a court of law in 21st century still trumps expert testimony, doesn't it? It's one thing for someone with a PhD to look at the evidence and say, this, this, and this. If five different people tell you the same kind of story, although some of their details are different, right, you're going to believe the eyewitness account. And guess what? The Bible is full of eyewitness testimony to who Jesus was. And that means something. I know what's funny is nobody taught... Like It was like I took an apologetics class and I learned this. I remember sitting in a Religions of the Western World class my first semester in college. I did not believe in Jesus. And this professor went, worked so hard to make sure nobody believed in Jesus. I'm like, God, this guy really doesn't want anyone to believe in Jesus. I'm like, there must be something cool about this guy, Jesus. Because honestly, like, I was of the belief, if there are people of, let's like, say, music. You guys know I love music, right? If a whole bunch of people absolutely love this band and a whole bunch of people absolutely hate this band, then it's probably a good band. Because they're unique. Right? It's like Bob Dylan. I say Bob Dylan. And some of you are like, oh, Bobby D. And some of you are like, oh, I why does that do I like Bob Dylan? You know? But he's classic. I mean, he's Bobby D. You know? But when there's people who are strong on both sides, you know that there's something there because it's unique. Not to saying that it's good, but this guy's trying so hard to make sure that nobody believed in Jesus. I'm like... This is the man, something's going on with this guy. And what's beautiful is what I realized is that all this stuff I had heard about Jesus, there were eyewitnesses and they all tell the same story. Now, again, if you know what you could eyewitness testimony in a court of law, someone's going to notice that it was a hazy, hot and humid day. And someone's going to notice that the person had blue shoelaces like Pastor G does. You know, if you guys know Pastor G, his shoelaces always change, it's so classic. You know, it's like people notice different things, but if the big things are the same, you expect variation in the eyewitness account. Why? Because people are different. They notice different things. Someone says, Well, I don't understand why. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. This one says that it was this. Because they're different people. They notice some different things, but the whole, all the big stuff is all exactly the same. Someone's like, Well, it says the rooster crows twice. The rooster crowed one time. It doesn't matter exactly how many times the rooster crowed. Either way, the rooster crowed. But we get into this stuff because really what it is is we really don't want to believe. But Peter's like, look, I was an eyewitness. And you know what he says? And this is really powerful. When we made known to you the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, we were eyewitnesses of His majesty. Jesus is...
1: Pastor Daniel wrapped up today by sharing that what is written about Jesus in the Bible isn't some random collection of made-up stories. It's all true. These are things that really happened. That's why Peter shares that he and the others were eyewitnesses to these events. Just like in a present-day court of law, eyewitness testimony carried tremendous weight. These stories were verified by the people who witnessed them. Make sure to tune in again as Pastor Daniel will share the truth about the gospel. And what is it? It's that Jesus is real. He was a real person who was fully God and fully man. He lived a real life here on earth. He ate and slept and worked and talked. He died on a real Roman cross. And he really rose again on the third day. Then Jesus really went back to heaven with the promise to return. This isn't a made up story. This is the truth. There's more to come from Pastor Daniel's series called Truth and Lies. Please glance at the clock right now and make plans to join us again for another edition of Jesus is Real Radio.